Hello, welcome to Mind the Dash podcast. Today, you will listen to a great conversation that I had with my friend, Dr. Ryan Robert Adamchek. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm good. Good. Thank you for coming. Thank you for. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I have spent all day just to get here right now with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I feel like a huge, like you may like, I would say disturbance in the force, but only in the best way. Like Mm -hmm. only in the best, like quantum shifts are happening. The the shell of the ego is breaking off. It's exhausting. Yes. And I just thank you for being like that safe person. Um, mm-hmm. You were on the first of my list to, to chat with. And we've mentioned, you know, we've, we've chatted a little bit about podcasting and um, the shadow self yes. got popped up. Um, so I don't know. I have a jillion questions, but. I thought I would start with just telling you kind of my idea for the podcast. Mm-hmm. If any ideas or thoughts of questions that you, that with your expertise and your experience here coming out of me and you're like, hmm, should you consider, you know, some of that? And then um, I would love to, yeah, the, the shifts, the shadow self, and then knowing how your story as well. Um, brings brings this whole dynamic to life how we live mm-hmm. um so the name of my podcast is mind the dash okay the gift of gab was already taken so oh, no <laughs> which i looked it up and i maybe i just do some more research because i thought maybe it just comes with the age of approaching 50 like this will be the big 5-0 this year mm-hmm and I'm, I'm learning the true gift is just showing up as fully as yourself. Yes. And I would want to talk about mindfulness. So the gift of Gab, great play mm-hmm. on words. My name happens to be Gabby. Um, no one else who had that podcast name, name was Gabby. So I, I protest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's yeah. disappointing. I know. So I, I'll, I'll see if, if that's, if they're, you know, I'll, I'll look at that, but when I originally thought of the podcast um, a while back, I mm-hmm. thought of the name Mind the Dash. Mm-hmm. And the dash came to me, it was actually when I was cleaning out my mother-in-law's house after she passed. And a friend of mine, because I had to go down to Texas and a friend of mine here in North Carolina reached out to me, knew it was a very difficult time mm-hmm. for me. And she says, it's all about the dash. It's all about the dash. She, she died young. And you know, we have our date of our birth, we have our date of our passing, and then it's just the dash in the middle. So I would love to talk with people um, about their experiences in life, like living mindfully. And sure. sometimes, sometimes when that rug is pulled out from under our feet, as life likes to do, and we have these wake up moments, we find out that we weren't living mindfully. So just the lessons that we've learned in life. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's the whole name, mind the dash. That's what that means. 
Okay. That sounds good. I like that, you know, you like because it. we have to pay attention to these things that happen to us in life because, you know, even though it may seem like, uh, you know, why is this happening? Is there a reason for this? Uh, the truth of the matter is, is there is a reason. I mean, there's a reason for everything, but uh, they help develop our characters. Yeah. And wow, what characters we are. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I do feel like, you know, I've been going through just a transition phase in life. Mm -hmm. um, the youngest of my five children is 17 and a half. Oh you know? my so like, gosh. We're, we're almost at the <laughs> okay. end of, of that. Yeah. Um, you know, my journey through homeschooling, I retired after 25 years of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And because I became a mom so early, age 16, Greg likes to point out, I did turn 17 the next day, but I'm like, but still, the truth was, I was 16. So sure, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I felt like a lot of my identity had been wrapped up in my kids. Yes. Um, my value, my worth, uh, my purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so moving out of that phase, I've had to come to a place like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. What do I want to do? And I'm, I'm, I'm going through this process now. I've, I'm in a, a wonderful group. I'm, I'm reading all kinds of books. I mean, like book clubs. I mean, it's a really fun season for me to just like, mm -hmm. wow, actually have Gabby time. Um, but man, the work that I've had to do just in mindset, mm -hmm. identifying limiting beliefs, reframing those beliefs to what I really want to believe putting it in an affirmation, putting them in a post-it notes all around the wall, setting my, my intentions. And, you know, so I feel like I've been doing a lot of work mm -hmm. and yet there's still triggers that come yes. up that I'll start to step in a way that is showing growth, showing up, sharing, speaking my truth. Not everybody likes it. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> some people may even find it threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was having a conversation with, with Greg and I was telling him, see, it's easier to play small. It's so mm -hmm. easy to be safe, play small. Mm -hmm. But I know, I know that's like where at one point it was a bigger voice in my head mm -hmm. It through the work, you know, th that voice has gotten smaller and, and I can just, it's, it's minimized even to just a little a little tiny, you know, um, print mm -hmm. on the page that, that I, that I feel like, oh, but I have a, a, a pen to rewrite, you know? And, yes. um, so that's encouraging in one way. And then so scary in another, because growth change it's again, it's another, it's a loss. It feels like another loss because you have to give up an old mm -hmm. to get a new and, um, wow. So yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah, you experience it as a small death, you know, and then the rebirth happens after the death. You know, it's you shed the things that, you know, you no longer need, and then you're reborn into new possibilities. Yeah, I love it. I, um, yeah. I've, I've, so I've been experimenting with all kinds of things. I feel like there's been a, a big creative process that has been going on. So I've played with um, creating um, affirmation cards, 
mm-hmm. uh, guided meditations, like sharing my yoga stuff, um, writing. And mm-hmm. I started writing and journaling with, um, I don't know, have you ever, have you ever heard this book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Uh, you know, it's uh, familiar to me, but I don't know too much about it. I've heard the name. Okay. It's a phenomenal book. It's a 12-week course on discovering and recovering your creative self. Okay. And she gives you some exercises and she identifies, oh, that inner critic, um, you know, your money mindset or what, what is abundance for you. And so she gives me these exercises every, every chapter. And so I've been journaling and writing and much of my processing has, has, I've captured in these journal entries mm-hmm. and much of it, it's also a little bit of the grief process, I think, of losing my mom recently. Sure. Just wanting to hear, ah, I'm going to try not to cry, um, hearing the words of encouragement that I want to hear, mm-hmm. that I need to hear, but I don't have that mom to tell me. Right. And so reflecting on all of this other um, parts of my life, that um, it has turned out to be really, in my opinion, very raw, but beautiful um, exhortations to mothers. And I'm like, wow, well, maybe, maybe that's my gift to share Mm -hmm. is these writings, you know, so maybe, maybe I'm writing a book and I I didn't even know it, you know, so I'm, I'm open to all of those um, experiences and, and working through these transitions. It's been a really fun way to document that um change but that's all life is like springtime right now i mean everything is constant change yes that's right (laughs) it's exhausting (laughs) (laughs) right so that's a little bit of kind of where i'm at and maybe what you know i'm wanting to bring to these um interviews is the life lessons you know, seasons that we've gone through Mm -hmm. and sharing any lessons and encouragement because we can learn. Everybody has a story to to say. Everybody has. So um, that's that's my intent with starting this podcast. And again, you you are part of this, um, this shift. You're number one. Like you're the first one. I I knew I needed to do it. I needed to do it. It's been I, I made my trailer mm-hmm. like a year ago. Okay. And and a year ago, when I wrote a list, who would I interview? You were on that list. And, uh, and I yes. appreciate that, Gabby. I'm humbled. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So if you would, whatever you're comfortable in sharing, um, anything along those lines, I know you have a tremendous story as well in the things that have shaped you and have brought that perspective and how you serve and show up, so. Right. So the biggest experience that has had a lasting impact on me was uh, the stroke that I had suffered when I was a year and a half old. Uh, you know, just to give a little background about that. Um, I remember one Christmas morning, I was with my mom and we were making uh, meatballs for the spaghetti that we usually made around that time for when everyone came over and we were having a glass of wine and out of the blue she says you know ryan one of the most hardest things i've ever had to do was give you birth and so then it was like 
Huh. Well, I wonder where this is coming from. I guess I will uh, go ahead and ask some more questions after asking for some more wine, you know. <laughs> Keep the wine coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, um, and so she had told me that uh, the attending uh, physician who had delivered me was very insensitive when he was delivering me. And he was. And you were firstborn, right? You're firstborn. Yes. Okay. I am. Yep. I have a younger brother uh, and we're six years apart. Okay. And so uh, she was telling me that he was being very rough with mm -hmm. uh, the delivery process. And it was suspected by my parents that I had sustained a traumatic brain injury due to mm -hmm. the doctor's unnecessary roughness, which led to the stroke a year and a half later. Mm -hmm. uh, and when my parents had discovered that that theory came back inconclusive, mm. um, we were left without answers for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to relearn how to perform the basic motor skills and walk and talk, you know, just everything mm -hmm. that I had learned up to that point, I had to relearn only using my left uh, side because it was, uh, it was indicated later on that I'm actually uh, right-handed. That's oh, wow. my dominant side. And so um, I had to relearn to do all those uh, motor skills. Later on, my mom had discovered that it was due to a viral infection called vasculitis, which mm. is a condition in which the immune system attacked the brain. Mm. And so the left hemisphere of the brain uh, was inflamed and the stroke occurred due to a lack of oxygen to the brain. And so, and some other things such as seizures occurred during that time too, but uh, I'm thankful in that I no longer experience seizures. The last one I had was back in 1984. So, okay. yeah. uh, and so growing up with that has been a challenge and it wasn't until I grew older and started to notice the differences between myself and mm -hmm. my peers. Uh, especially as my male peers ended up uh, um, getting into sports and me having a difficult time doing that because of the sheer physicality of the sport. Mm -hmm. You know, did I begin to acknowledge the difference physically between me and my peers? It was a sense of consciousness that mm -hmm. had arisen in me. I remember that I've always had spirituality and religion as strong cornerstones in my life, but even those in the church youth group didn't always accept me. Mm. And just so you know, Gabby, this isn't going to be a pity party. I'm going to get to yeah. the positive aspect yeah, uh, no, it's, later on. <laughs> it's all our journey. It's all beautiful. So yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but, uh, you know, someone from the uh, church youth group had said to me, you know, Ryan, the reason that we uh, don't interact with you as we interact with each other is because you're physically disabled. So, I mean, he came out and actually said mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I felt a bit of betrayal because the area that I thought I was going to get the most support from ended up being something else. Yeah. And so that's when I looked to psychology for answers. And there, there is quite a time jump between these events that I'm telling you. So, yeah, um, they don't necessarily fall in sequential order or like chronological order. Mm -hmm. um, but I ended up after getting my degree in religious education, pursuing psychology. 
and I earned my master's degree at the Adler School of Professional Psychology um, because I felt as though Adler and I um, are kindred spirits. He grew up with a vitamin uh, D deficiency called rickets, which led to bone softening. So he had to sit out of physical sports, whereas his older brother participated. Mm. And I believe that that experience helped him <clears throat> uh, formulate the theories that he would later have in his psychology, such as compensation, organ inferiority, superiority feelings, inferiority complex, which I believe he borrowed from Jung, but I'll get <laughs> to Jung later on. <laughs> I was hoping so. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I ended up uh, pursuing my master's uh, there, uh, but there was something missing there. You know, the religious interest in me had never died. You know, mm -hmm. I've met a lot of people, especially those who are dealing with disabilities, and they feel betrayed by God. And that leads them to a place of atheism, which I almost went, the path I almost went down. Mm -hmm. But when I had recovered my initial stability, you know, in my faith, mm -hmm. I had looked to the psychology of Carl Gustav Jung, because Jung really spoke, you know, about religion and spirituality as being central when we're dealing with the whole person. And so from Adler's uh, schooling, I went to Jung's school of thought. Okay. And uh, that determined my path to uh, Pacifica. And if you have any questions for me as I'm explaining this, Gabby, let me know and I'll... I know, I was like, oh, I know I should have looked up Jung again. Like, <laughs> you got to keep it on the basic terms. I'm like, oh, Shadowstone, yeah. that's what I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're right. You know, Jung is the psychiatrist who, he worked with Freud at the beginning of the night of the, I'm sorry, the 20th century. And uh, he worked with Freud for a little while and then eventually broke from Freud and um, formulated his own theories. And so he talks about the archetypes. He talks about the shadow, as you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the anima and the animus. Those are the contrasexual archetypes mm -hmm. that males and females have. So males have the anima and females the animus. And that influences, especially us in our interactions with those of the opposite sex. Okay. So, um, but what drew me to Jung was the religious piece of his theory and how he was able to find the psychological significance of that. I talked with, a, uh, with the program chair of my program, uh, and I was talking about physical disability. And she said to me, she said, you know, Ryan, I don't want to be too forward, but I want to suggest something to you. I'm like, okay, sure, go right ahead. And she said, I really sense that one of the main reasons you've come to Pacifica to pursue your doctorate in depth psychology is because you're trying to figure out what happened to you. And that the able-bodied man is very much your shadow. And it's like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. you know, because you know, everything up to that point in my interactions with my male peers who are able-bodied has always been based on a projection of a perceived inferiority that I've had, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and 
so when she said that, that, you know, definitely was the seed that mm -hmm. eventually became my dissertation. Another teacher that I had in a uh, intro to uh, Jungian psychology class. And uh, he had said, when we were ha uh, having a conversation about the physical disability and the shadow aspects of that, he said to me, he said, boy, you really are privileged to have been forced to look at those shadow aspects. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, well, that's really strange because the very thing we try to discard or ignore, <laughs> I've been forced to look into. So, right, right. So, but is, is that what, is that what midlife consciousness is about? Does yeah, everyone go through that? I, I believe that they do. Um, you know, Jung has a theory that, you know, during the first half of life, that's more so to gain stability and to, you know, make money and gain financial stability and start a family and things like that. And then the second half of life is geared toward looking into spiritual matters and mm -hmm. issues of faith and more of the deeper things, you know, that are consistent with the individuation process. But I believe that I've been exposed to that second half of life um, musing, if you will, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. of my experiences. Yeah, and, awesome. And, so, and you're just a special soul. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so that was another indication of where I should go with my dissertation. And then the final one was an archetypal astrological birth chart exercise that I did. And so uh, with the birth chart exercise, the Chiron symbol, Chiron being that um, senator who was wounded in, okay. in Greek mythology, mm -hmm. that symbol was in the first house. And that was my personal wounding. Well, the first house uh, indicates that the wounding occurred between the uh, ages of zero and two years old. And I was wounded by my stroke at a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that exercise revealed to me that there is a purpose for this experience. Um, and I've found Jung's uh, psychology and those who have followed him um, to be very helpful when it comes to making sense of these experiences on a more deeper level, a level that cognitive behavioral psychology can't reach because it deals more so with the surface level aspects gotcha. of a person's life. And that's so amazing. that's very cool. I, I'm, um, I'm not smart enough to feel like I even have that uh, desire to understand all the why. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate it. I, I, but there's so much in my life that I don't understand that. Um, and the other thing that I kind of realized too, some of my favorite books, mm -hmm. The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm -hmm. And most recently I read something called The Choice. And it was another account of the, of the Holocaust. So it's obviously not the, the topic that is thrilling, but it was written by the perspective of these 14-year-old, you know, 15-year-old 
and a 16 year old. And much of my, if you will, you know, trauma, um, just going, you know, I, I've, wit- I've witnessed most of my life as that scared 16 year old. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just realized that <laughs> like yeah. pretty recently, like, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really something. And so is it, is it the same feelings that you had experienced at that time? Is, are they beginning to resurface for you? Um, no, but it just feels like more things are making sense as I've had to okay. now approach some of these limiting beliefs and identifying where they came from mm-hmm. and seeing how, you know, I, I reacted and responded to different ways and then working on reframing, re- you know, my ability, my worth, mm-hmm. my, you know, and switching and, and walking a different way. So, you know, that's, that was, that's, that was a very recent like realization. So I'm like, wow, that makes sense. It was very interesting. Yes. Yeah. No, so, yeah. but I'm sorry, go ahead and, and um, continue with your, yeah. where you're at in your dissertation and and so the major question that I asked uh, for my dissertation was, what does it mean to be embodied in or to live in a body that by our culture standards is, bo- is both limited and incomplete? Uh, during that time, I had poured over several pieces of literature and my uh, dissertation advisor, Glenn Slater, Uh, had suggested that I also look at other research out there outside of the depth psychological tradition so that there can be some dialogue between the two. Mm -hmm. And I'm very glad that he made that uh, recommendation for me because it adds more um, substance to the study. Mm -hmm. And one uh, piece of literature that I uh, had come across was a piece that suggested that from a societal standpoint, if a person is unable to, or an individual is unable to maintain or gain and maintain socially expected roles, society has the power to deny them personhood. Wow. And it revealed to me that, you know, this this fear of, physical disability runs very deep and it goes up against the grain of what some would call the American dream because, you know, our culture has this idea of what a person should be like, you know, this, you know, perfect being who is capable of anything, who's physically uh, perfect, uh, but with a physical disability, it acts as a mirror. And so the physical disability reveals to the person what internal disabilities they're dealing with that they do not want to face. Yeah. And so when that happens, they will distance themselves from the individual who has the disability because they don't want to be forced to look into their own mm-hmm. inner disabilities, if you will. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, 
you know, as I, as I was uncovering this, a lot of this I already knew based on my own experience, but there was, a, there was definitely extra uh, insight that I had gained. And there would be times where I would have to put the research down, close the <laughs> laptop lid and go walk because it made me so angry. I mm. had to process what it was that I was reading because it revealed to me just how deeply these beliefs by our culture is how deep they go. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I've, um, you know, I think you said limited and incomplete, like in, in, in not just a physical way. I mean, in a physical way that may be, even though I'm, I'm abled bodied, I'm not tall and I'm not blonde. Mm-hmm. You know, which we, which I would think that would be a physical limitation, you know, as it relates to the stereotypic image our culture has, right? Because the tall blonde bombshell is a stereotype that our culture holds on to as to what a beautiful woman looks like. Right. And this was something else. um, You know, I, I, I do have my own therapist we're friendly here, but I know we're, you you always have, you said you always have that hat on. Um, But one, (laughs) one thing I thought that was really interesting as well, just again, kind of reflecting like how I've lived um, some of the, the biggest, uh, I guess, things that have um, impacted me, like my confidence, um, how I felt to able to show up was Growing up, I grew up in, I was born in 72, so good old 80s um, mm-hmm. genre. I think there was two rules. Don't get pregnant, go to college for a female. Okay. Well, I broke both of those. I got pregnant, got married when I was 16, and I never went to college. So those have been, and those are like expected societal expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes. So those hindered my, my confidence, you know, my value. And now the ironic part, I think they're my greatest accomplishments mm-hmm. and it's really weird. Like, how can it be both? How well, can someone now look and say, wow, you, you know, you raised, you, you became a mom <laughs> when you were 16, you know, you know, wow, that's, you know, wow, you've raised five children. You know, that's amazing. Wow, you've been you've been married for 32 years. Like, you know, so that's that's also very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been able to stand apart from the cultural expectation. Oh, that's a hard sw- uh, that's a hard swim, but yes, I've been yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's a very difficult swim, you know, because yeah. there are times you feel like you're sinking, right? Because You know, we have the desire ingrained in our DNA to to find that group that we that we fit in with, you know, and so being the lone person or walking alone and and being apart from the collective can be difficult. But if we're looking at it from a depth psychological perspective, that thing that is the most isolating is the best thing for you so that you can then re-enter into the collective, you know, with your own individuation process being conducted and you'll have something to offer others. 
I just didn't realize it would take so long to get there. <laughs> to oh, it's a something. lifelong process. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But it, it reminds me of something, and I don't remember the quote, but Brene Brown, she had, I, I mm -hmm. love Brene Brown. I, I do too. love her. She, and she's a good old Texas girl too. So um, she said something about a quote that always had bothered her. And it was about belonging. And I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like, if you like, if you want to belong, if you change yourself to belong, then you no longer belong to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so right now I'm, I'm trying to, you know, step into my authentic, you know, authentic self. Okay. Right. And it's, it's just been this really long journey and process. So, you know, yeah, maybe some get there quicker than, than others, but well, you know, it's funny because when it comes to individuation, uh, Jung uh, often said that we're never individuated, but we're always. So. Oh, wait, um, you cut out. Can you make, could you repeat oh, that again? Yes. Uh, so Jung has often said that we're never individuated, but we're individuating. We're always in that process. Mm. And in my dissertation work, I had defined individuation as a process of ceaseless becoming that you're always the potentiality of becoming uh, something that you weren't before and signaling a, uh, a, a rise in consciousness, if you will, is always there. I love it. And how, how, does, how does this jive with that? So if we're, we're always in individuating, but we're always, I'm, I'm gonna mess it up again, but Never individuated. Never individuated, but we're always individuating. Yes. Is that because at the core, we're still all connected? Like we're all the, the piece of the master, you know, we're all masterpieces, a piece of the master. Like we all have that little God spark that we're all connected anyway. Is that why we can never totally? Yeah. We're and, all one? And, and and, you know, that's, it's interesting that you bring up the divine spark because uh, Jung had many Jewish um, followers and individuation, according to uh, Murray um, Stein, I think it was him. And there were actually a Shalit. Um, he said that, you know, through the individuation process and confronting our complexes and having our complexes instead of them having us, is a way to identify with the divine spark within. Wow. So, you know, um, awesome. and so when you're individuating, you are becoming your authentic self. You're on the path for that. You know, you're, you're not sacrificing anything for the sake of fitting in. And, you know, a majority of people find it easier to fit in. And it is, you know, I mean, this, process is not a cakewalk you know it isn't for everybody <laughs> and, and i think that's why it takes a life event to wake you up and realize mm -hmm. you're you're not alive you know i mean really it's better they say to be at a funeral than a bris because mm -hmm. it's the loss of life that can wake you up and you cause the desire for life mm -hmm. and living it to the fullest abundant 
Solomon says that too, that it's better to, uh, to visit the house of mourning than the house of feasting because yeah. the living will take it to heart. So. Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I, I, th- I just love having this conversation with you. It's so much yeah. fun. I hope, um, you know, people that would hear this would be encouraged, I guess, you know, yes. what, what is something else that you might want to share to encourage somebody in their process of, um, you know, I would, one, one audience might hear, like to hear the words like living mindfully. Um, mm-hmm. What's the psychological word of that being awake? Well, living mindfully would be, you know, living consciously, you oh. know, um, you know, because um, it's interesting when it comes to mindfulness, mindfulness and union psychology are like a hand and glove. They uh, go together quite nicely. And, you know, I would encourage people to um, not allow the circumstances of their life to discourage them, because when we face the negative aspects of our life or the negative situations or the trials and tribulations, you know, you can Mm -hmm. name your your own uh, name for it. Um, Those are meant to strengthen us and help us to be overcomers, you know, by confronting those experiences you know and if we stick to the process it will begin the bare fruit yeah it it are you saying the cliche of like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yes very very much so yeah i have a friend who wrote a card and she's like when you know the what you want to do when people say that is mm-hmm. you want to kick them, you know, like, like, I'm going to kick the next person who says that because yeah, it's right. hard, <laughs> but it's great. It's just part of the journey and it's all for a plan and a purpose. Um, yes. Wow. Well, um, was there any other questions maybe I should have asked? Um, I can't think of anything right now, uh, Gabby. Uh, I think we've covered a lot uh, in our time together. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, Thank you. And I'm still learning like how this is even going to work. So I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll have to do some editing and, and all that stuff. Um, is there any way I know, like when I'm listening to a podcast, they ask, um, where can people find out more about you, your story, your offering kind of thing, if they want to follow you on Twitter or whatever, are you anywhere in those social platforms? Well, um, so I do have a psychology today profile because I, as you know, I'm a, a clinical therapist. And so if they go to psychology today and type in Dr. Ryan Robert Adamczyk, uh, they can find me there. And then also there's this uh, website. It's a, uh, a Jungian website called uh, the Center for Applied Jungian Studies. And I had submitted uh, two articles uh, for them to upload to their uh, um to their website so oh and, so awesome i didn't even yeah. know that that's so oh, cool no. <laughs> okay so yeah. like the like the professionals say we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah there you go yep there you go yeah how about <laughs> you are you going to get your podcast started back again or not yet yeah uh have to uh figure out when the best time to jump aboard that is going to be i've actually been um thinking about starting a book uh, project Oh, fine. Uh, the first thing I want to do is turn my dissertation into a textbook. I think that's going to be my first 
um, project. That would be awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I just thank you for your generous, be, being generous with your time, um, sharing your heart and encouragement and listening to me babble. <laughs> so well, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep you posted on when this will be aired and all that fun stuff. But again, thank you. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Ryan, for that conversation. Some of my takeaways. Why, yes, it turns out that there is a reason for everything. It's to develop our character. And give up the old to get the new. Sometimes you have to shed things that you no longer need, and then you will be reborn into new possibilities. If a person is unable to gain or maintain societal expectation and roles, society also has the power to deny them personhood. Individuation is ceaseless becoming. And through the individuating process is a way to identify with the divine spark within. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. And until next time, journey well.